Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast, a weekly woodworking podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Join with my other co-hosts, Logan Whitmer and John Doyle. On today's episode, number 55, we are discussing tool choices and tool hoarding and what's the difference. This episode of the Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. Okay, so the topic for today's podcast comes from several comments that were made on a YouTube video where I did a a tour of my home shop and specifically my uh, big tool cabinet that I had made. Okay. Because part of the reason that I made that tool cabinet was to see if I could get all of my woodworking tools into one storage container. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other thing was, is if I could do that to, um, use that as a way to limit what tools I either really needed or used um, and following John's uh, one in one out uh, uh, principle of buying tools. You buy a tool, another one needs to go. We need to implement that on him when he buys a cart. (laughs) (laughs) They're on wheels. They could go anytime. (laughs) okay so anyway several people commented about that there's just not that's not how you do woodworking is you just get more tools you don't get rid of tools which i realize is they're doing half in jest and tongue in cheek yeah right yep so the so the most liked comment on that video is from william murphy he says you have this backwards when your toolbox fills up you you don't, can I even say it, you don't get rid of tools. You build another toolbox. When your shop fills up with toolboxes, you get a bigger shop. What is wrong with you? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it, it's, it's an interesting topic because I kind of am finding myself walking into that same, or walking that same path where it's like, I would like to build a tool cabinet and if the tools don't fit in there, they don't belong in the shop. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. and I've kind of been in this cycle with my hand tools, you know, and I've talked about this past, so not to beat a dead horse. But, like, I started with vintage tools, and then I started buying, like, nice boutique type tools. And I'm, I went through a period where I was buying a lot of these boutique tools, a lot of different, you know, Lee Nielsen's and stuff like that. But now I'm at the point where it's like I'm sitting here, and I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. There's a handful of tools that I just don't use very often. Right. Do they really deserve a spot in my shop, or do I keep them knowing that I'll probably have a use for them down the road? It's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think any hobby or pastime is susceptible to this kind of impulse. You know, whether it's Mm -hmm. fishing or golf or cooking, you know, that you can gear up 
to whatever level you want. And it's also really easy because I'd like to think that I'm enough of a nonconformist to think that I'm not susceptible to it, but I am. Uh, for you see a cool tool or accessory or router bit or whatever, and you think, I would use that every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not a problem to get more and more tools. The problem becomes when you have so many tools that you aren't using that they're all kind of piled on top of each other and you're always digging through those to get to what you actually use. I mean, we we're kind of talking about that this morning with all the router bits that we have in the shop. It's like we have all these dull or beaten up router bits <laughs> that we don't use or we like look at them and like, oh, this is junk and go put it back. We just kind of need to like clean house so we can find the bits that are actually, you know, useful rather than trying to constantly dig through the things that aren't useful. Oh God, don't, don't let Chris Fitch hear you say that or else all of our router bits will disappear. Right. They'll go straight to the dumpster, whether they're good or not, <laughs> just start over. <laughs> Which, okay. okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I was saying, no, there, there is a completely, that's a completely valid thing, right? Like if it is, I, recently scrapped all my four center bits. I went through um, my drill bit storage cabinet and every four center bit that was in there, I just pitched them and I ordered one good set. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's a valid thing. Yeah, sometimes you yeah. just need to flip the etch sketch upside down and shake it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes I guess, sense. <laughs> I guess the part of it also for me is... Um, I, I think of, you know, and it's because of my writing here and my time at Woodsmith and Shop Notes is, you know, there are six or more different ways to accomplish any woodworking task. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there's a balance point maybe for finding one or two methods to do a given operation and kind of sticking with those rather than having a bunch of different ways to accomplish the same task. Yeah. Well, and I think doing that, you kind of hone your process and you get good at it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for, for example, I'm always a table saw tenon type of guy. I know there are a lot of people that aren't, you know, some people router tables, some people bandsaw, some people hand cut them, whatever. That's fine. Um, same way with cutting mortises. Um, personally, if I if I have the option, I'm going to use a mortising machine. Right. And there are a lot of people that don't. And they'll they'll use their their hand router or they'll use a router table or mm -hmm. hand chop them or whatever. Uh, that's great. I use the mortising machine enough to know that I can get good results with it every time. So. Yeah. See, I used to have a, a mortising machine for a while, and then I found that, like, rather than take up the space or set that up, I just used a, you know, handheld router and jig to do it, and yeah, called that good, and you know, save the footprint of one more tool and compile something else up there. Yeah, so compile <laughs> something else. Up there. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, obviously, this concept isn't new to woodworking, you know, I think I, one of the places that I first read about it was 
There's a guy, uh, Rob Porcaro, I think he's out of Massachusetts, runs the Heartwood Woodworking blog. Um, and he's got a tool cabinet that he kind of has the same principle on. He compared it to uh, a sports team where you think of like your ca salary cap, you know, that you have mm -hmm. X amount you have of so much space. space, you know, or cap room to be able to deal with tools. So a tool that earns its spot into your tool cabinet has got to pay its way. Um, mm -hmm. And Chris Schwarz did that to a certain extent with his uh, anarchist tool chest book and mm -hmm. concepts. Um, and I think it, it it's pretty valid because I, I feel like, um, you know, when I first started woodworking, part of the joy of it was being able to figure out how to do a given task with the limitations of my small toolkit that I had. And, you know, one of the plus sides is you really get to learn what your tools are capable of that way. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to be said for, so in this whole thing, we're talking about, you know, your, your tool cabinet meant to hold all your tools. When you start getting more tools than that, they start stacking up and piling around in your shop usually, right? At least in my shop, that's what happens. Um, they end up living under the workbench or they end up getting stacked on the counter or they get stacked on the car or something like that. And there's something to be said, in my opinion, uh, clutter drives me nuts. It <laughs> drives me absolutely nuts. You wouldn't know it looking at the shop behind me, <laughs> but but it does. Like, I am a much happier person with little things, right? Like, very few things. Like, I mean, there's there's stuff I like, but uh, I have zero need in my shop to have more than one router. I just don't. I mean, I have my my half inch router and then my <laughs> little palm router. Right. But I know there, there's guys that have six or seven or eight, 10, 12 routers at their yeah. workbench. I can't do that. It no. just stresses me out. Like, and I'm, I'm a much happier person when I have minimal stuff. Um, my, my shop is put away and organized. I can see where everything's at. Uh, so I guess uh, from that standpoint, that's what led me to start getting rid of my vintage tools. Is I just had too many of them. Um, and you walk in the shop, it's like, oh my God, what do I grab? Do I grab my number three? Do I grab a number four? Do I grab my four and a half? Do I grab my other you know, number my four? little coffin smoother? Yeah, exactly. It's like limit the options. They all do the same dang thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I would rather have and and that's kind of what I've paired my I've paired my hand tools down to that where I have a joiner plane, I have a four plane, I have a smoothing plane. Got a handful of block planes. Um, but I have, I have no desire to have a full complete set of one through eights, right? Because I use three of those. So it's, it's the, the same type of mentality of one in one out and buying your way into the tool cabinet, right? Or to the tool chest or onto your bench is if a tool doesn't get touched, if there's in my shop, if I don't use a tool in three or four projects, it's probably on the, on the sale block, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, like, I don't want people that are listening to think it, 
that were saying, oh, if you like to buy a bunch of tools and you like to have a tool for every single task, that's great. Right. You know, I, I have no problem with that. And I have no problem. I'm, I'm, I think you guys know me well enough to know that if there's a tool that I think is kind of cool, I'm probably going to buy it. And if I use it, (laughs) I'll keep it. If I don't use it, it's getting resold. Like I don't have any problem buying and selling a tool. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's why it never really has bothered me to, to drop, you know, two or $300 on a hand plane, because I know if I use it, great, great investment. I'll keep that hand plane from lifetime. If I don't use it, I'll recoup probably 90, 95% of my money on it. So sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think part of where I'm coming from too is, um, I mean, it's pretty clear that I'm relatively thrifty in equipping my shop and tools or whatever. But I've also heard it in the teaching that I do for like the Des Moines Woodworkers Group or some other places uh, where right or wrong, there can be a stigma around woodworking that you can't do woodworking unless you have dropped, you know, like $15,000 worth of equipment, Sure. you know, and I think there's a lot of woodworking that you can do for significantly less money oh yeah completely mm-hmm. so and i'm and i guess i'm trying to view that and you know put that put that into practice in my own life is can i do certain woodworking tasks or can i enjoy this hobby building a ton of stuff without feeling like i need this latest greatest newest laser guided gizmo you know, or even essential tools, you know, like, cause it's, cause I love using hand tools. Um, mm-hmm. but is my enjoyment of the craft that much better if I have, and not to pick on anybody, but you know, like a Lee Nielsen hand plane or a vintage, mm-hmm. you know, Stanley or Montgomery Ward's plane, you know, or something like that. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that answer will be different for everybody. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. Like there are people that don't care what the tool is as long as it works. Yeah. There are people that like their tools to look good yeah, and like them to be shiny and brand new, you know? Um, it's like cars, yeah. you know, like there's some people that oh, yeah. won't buy a used car and then there are the same number of people that won't buy a new car, you know? The... Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because we've had this before <laughs> and actually we've had, we've had people question our, not necessarily question our tool purchases, but like, for example, uh, I have a fret saw and a coping saw. I have a new concepts fret saw and a uh, blue spruce coping saw. And when I bought the blue spruce coping saw, I did an article on kind of comparing uh, a handful of top coping saws, right? Right. And I had one guy that I don't remember where he sent his message through. It was like Twitter or something. He was a little upset that I was showing a what $280, $300 coping saw. I mean, yeah, it's an expensive coping saw. I'm, I'm assuming that 99% of our readers probably don't care about their coping saw enough to spend that amount of money on there. But it's the same. I mean, people have hobbies that are motorcycles and they have no problem spending, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a set mm-hmm. of foot pegs for their motorcycle or, you know, just <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Or so, golf clubs or yeah. horses or exactly yeah. whatever. 
Yeah, exactly. like my sister's so, into my sister's into biking, and she races competitively. Sure. And, you know, she's got like eight bikes, you know, eight or nine bikes, and it's all. Yeah. But and to me, when I look at it, it's like I have one bike, and it, and I enjoy cycling. It has two wheels and pedals, right? And- Yep. It was fine. So from one perspective, you know, like, how do you justify that? Well, if it's your thing and you use it, you know, you're going to value the a tool to the extent that you use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and I think that is part of why it, it, it's just, it's interesting in retrospect to look at all of this uh, from like the last couple of years, how my woodworking has evolved and how my tool sets evolved, you know, um, there was for a long time I kept, I was trying to convince myself that I'm not a tool hoarder because I had a lot of tools or not a tool collector. Right. Because I had a lot of tools and I was like, I want every number Stanley ever, every, not even hand planes. Like I want the Stanley braces. I want the Stanley auger bit stops. I want all of it. (laughs) And then I'm like, then all of a sudden I look around, I'm like, God, there's so much crap in here. I just can't stand to be near to work. Yeah. So, so then, you yeah. know, and, and I'm not, you know, not being super extreme as, you know, some people are where literally they can't work in their shop because there's so many tools. Um, but it, it's interesting because my, my tool set continually gets pared down, um, which, Phil, you've been woodworking longer than I have. And I think that's probably you know, you're, you're at that part of your woodworking journey, right? Where your tool set is pretty, pretty bare down to what you use. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm still getting there. Um, but it's not going to stop me from buying a timber framing slick because I might do timber framing <laughs> at some point. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I've, cause I've noticed this on, well, here's a case in point. Over Christmas, we mm-hmm. exchange names with family members for Christmas gifts. And I, you know, somebody, whoever had my name was asking for, you know, uh, ideas. And it was related to woodworking because they know that the gifts that I'm going to do are gifts that I've made, projects that I've made. So sure. they wanted something to support that because they know that they'll get better projects out of it. And I was yes. thinking of trying to come up with a list of, woodworking related things and it's like there's just not a lot that i really want anymore and what it it what the things that i do want are uh either upgrades for something that i already have sure you know that because i know that i'm going to use it you know like i recently got rid of my uh 12 inch craftsman bandsaw and replaced it with a equally vintage delta bandsaw a 14 inch Mm -hmm. so it's got a little bit more horsepower a little bit more capacity but it's still not a you know shiny gigantic welded frame whatever sure um so or it's you know consumable things where it's you know router bits that are going to get dull and need to get replaced or forstner bits Mm -hmm. like you had said or something like that so but that's not to say you know like a few years ago in we had a we had a corporate downsizing and we were cleaning out stuff and there was a big box of old wood hand planes that we kind of divided up as a staff. And one of the things in there was this, I'll put it up on the show notes page. It's a wood bodied dado plane. 
Sure. And I picked it up because I'm like, hand tools, this would be super cool. This one is seven-eighths wide. It'll cut a seven-eighths wide dado. I'm like, I would use this all the time, you know, but... It's like, who uses seven-eighths dados, you know? And then I was yeah. going through stuff the other day and came across, in its box, a Stanley 39 and three-quarter dado plane, metal-bodied, yep. you know, with the knickers and, you know, everything's there. And it's like, yep. and it looks super cool. It's in the box. I'm like, that's a, I would cut dados with a hand plane all the time. So you see something like that, and it's really tempting. But it's but on the other hand, it's I think would I really, you know, I, know. I enjoy using yeah. hand planes. But are those the kind of hand planes that I really enjoy using? Yeah. Well, and I think you end up tailoring your tool set to the type of woodworking you do as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's funny that you said you know consumables ended up being on your your list and that this year we did this was the first year we ever did a secret santa so we filled out like a digital wish list and stuff everything i had on there was like consumables i mean like the the five pack of st strips of sandpaper for turning you know uh, micro mesh sanding pads um ca glue with super pointy you know droppers on it and stuff like that it's like mm -hmm. oh i'm an old man now i Putting stuff that's not fun on my Christmas list. Socks. Socks, yes. I did. I put some lifetime warranty socks on my Christmas list, and I didn't get those. Dang it. I'm going to have to Wow. Run. I know. But, no, it's funny because I, I think you do – you tailor you end up tailoring your toolkit to what you build, and I'm finding that more uh, from a turning standpoint too because I, I watch a lot of turners on youtube and follow a lot of turners and it just is it it's unbelievable to me when you see somebody standing at their lathe and it, almost everybody has the same dang setup their lathe is there against the wall on the wall behind it, it's a bunch of pvc pipes with a thousand different tools sticking out of there mm -hmm. and i'm like my my turning set fits in a tool roll with tool handles. I mean, because I, I use it. You guys have seen it. It's Jimmy's quick release system. So the, just the tool mm -hmm. shank and then a handle. And you can interchange the, the tool into the handle. Yeah. And it's like having that many tools sitting there just gives me anxiety. Like, <laughs> I would rather use my tools that I know how they work and I can work with them how I want them to. Uh, rather than have 75 different tools all in front of me. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the one people thing people don't think about is like the more tools you have is the more except like if you have a, a mortiser, you have to have all the bits, you know, for that, and it's just more things to store and more things to maintain and you know keep track of. When like what you're saying, if you only have a handful of handful of tools that you're using, you know, you know, you're going to maintain those, you're going to use those, you know, where to you know, keep track of them and you're not thinking about, well, now I got to go find this and now I got to go find that. And right. It just simplifies everything. Yeah. So, well, and it's funny because I think the, it, it's interesting. I, I was talking to my dad a couple of weeks ago and the only, the only person in my family that did a lot of woodworking. Um, I mean, I got kind of the, the hands-on construction with my dad, but the only person in my family that did a lot of woodworking was my great grandpa and uh he 
he passed away at about 100 and 101, I think, when he passed away. Um, so he was around my old, like, until I was in my 30s. Um, and when he passed away, I got a lot of his tools. So I, 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 I picked a handful of tools that I wanted from him. Um, he had a little one by 30 belt sander. Um, I got his scroll saw and I got a handful of other things from him. And I, I said this to my dad, I was like, you know, it's funny because when I was younger in my mind, my grandpa, my great grandpa was, was a phenomenal woodworker, had all the tools you'd ever want. But then as I get older, I realized that, and I said this, I was like, grandpa didn't have really high quality tools. Like, you know, he had the the little like cheapest Delta uh, scroll saw you could buy. You know, I mean, it just was stamped aluminum, wasn't very nice. And my dad said no, but you know, here's the thing: is Grandpa didn't didn't spend a lot of money on tools, but he what he had he could use really well, and he maintained it. Right. And I think there's a there's a I I'll be the first one to say that. A younger generation like me doesn't generally tend to maintain stuff very well, um, at least as a whole. Now I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think as a whole, um, the this disposable type mentality where it's like, oh, that drill bit's dull, throw it away, buy a new one. Where my grandpa would have been like, what are you doing? Give me that. I'm going to go to the bench grinder, sharpen it back up. You know. <laughs> See, at least you're throwing it away where I just throw it back in the drawer. <laughs> yes. And then just end up with a whole bunch of one-eighth inch drill bits, yeah. you know, piled yeah. up. Couldn't drill through cardboard. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and it's funny because it's kind of, now that I'm thinking about this, there's kind of like these little micro, call them microclimates, little microclimates in my shop that I've done the same thing with at a much smaller scale, like sharpening. My sharpening setup used to be so like huge and extravagant. I, you know, a granite slab that's actually sitting right there. Uh, sandpaper bottles. I had sharpening. I had like four different sharpening guides. I had angle guides. Yeah. And now I'm down to three stones in an oil can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so much more simple. Does it work better? I don't know, but it works better <laughs> because I like it and I know yeah. how to use it. So. Yeah. So yeah. now what about you, John? Because I know that because of our work from home scenario over the last year, you've been doing more work in your home shop and have mm-hmm. taken some steps to outfit it and equip it. Have you where where do you fall on the tool wish list versus actual purchase? Um, well first off first of all, the good news is that my two car garage shop can quickly convert down to a fourth of a garage shop. <laughs> I found out because of the recent snowstorm we had this week. Um, wanted to get my wife's car in the garage. So having a lot of carts helped that I could just kind of <laughs> roll it all into a little corner. Fair and enough. Pull the car right in and it took me about a half hour and good to go. Nice. So, but yeah, so that was exciting. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, just having a limited amount of space, I found that um, like I don't like to get rid of a lot of tools, especially like the ones for um, specialty, like home projects, like plumbing or electrical yeah. work or that kind of thing. So I 
I like to, I know I'm not going to use them a lot, so I'll put them either for collected like drywall buckets and kind of put like all my electrical, like, you know, stuff in one, all my plumbing, you know, tiling, sure. that kind of thing. And I'll put those like up in a shelf where I know where they're at, but I'm not constantly, you know, digging through a toolbox and, you know, finding that stuff while I'm looking for my woodworking stuff. So kind of put all the, the specialty stuff up and out of the way where I know I can get it. And then um, all the things that I use on every project, I uh, like keep on my uh, pegboard and shelves right above my bench. So they're easy to get to and whatnot. And then um, all my other like larger tools are mobile so i can wheel them around the shop or push them into the corner when we get the cars in so yeah i find that helpful just you know working from home and trying to share the garage with the other people in the house so yeah yeah but, you know that's, that's yeah, something i did recently was this is what you're saying all the plumbing tools into one rubbermaid tub you yeah. know all the mm -hmm. all of tiling and flooring tools go in another all the drywall goes in another so because that's the type of stuff that I hate to admit it, I probably have seven or eight different um, pipe cutters, seven or eight different <laughs> pipe brushes. You know what I mean? Cause it's like <laughs> you have a stupid little project pop up and you're like, you're at the hardware store looking around like, ah, I don't know where my pipe cutter is. This one's $3. It's janky, but you know what? It's $3 and it's going to save me time from looking for mine. Yeah. Get mm -hmm. home, use it. You go throw it in a drawer, you're like, oh, there's the other four of them that I own. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and again, way. I think that is a generational thing, like where we just, I don't know. I hate to admit it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's like, we don't have time to mess around looking for stuff or it's just easier, but go buy some cheap, you know, disposable tool thing and rather than searching for it all day or yeah, yeah i don't know it's a well, generational that, thing or what that is something i have found that has helped me um is if i buy a more expensive item i generally tend to take i don't want to say that that sounds sounds weird but not that i i tend to take care of it but i know if i spent for example i just bought a, a nice set of three countersink bits I got rid of all my other countersink bits and every time I use those, I put them back. So I'm like, in my head, I told myself, I'm going to order these. These are going to be the countersink bits that I have. I'm going to keep them nice, keep them where I want them. And I, I've done well. I've had them for probably eight, eight months now, which is a record <laughs> for countersink bits for me. <laughs> so I found that has helped me as well pair stuff down it's like sure i don't need i don't need eight different countersink bits i'm gonna buy a nice set of three that's all i'm gonna have so yeah right get yeah a little bit nicer pair it down yeah i think that kind of goes back to what we said sometimes it's just better to dump out the drawer of accumulated yeah. random bits and go you know splurge on a nice little set that you can keep track of and you'll take care of and yeah you know where they're at and where all the sizes are and yeah. So, you know, just start over. So let me ask you guys this. This is kind of deviating from it, but not really. Uh, if you guys do that, so say you guys dump out all your Brad Point bits at home. Um, do you, where do you go to buy a quality set? Do you trust the Rockler? Do you trust the Amazon? Um, do you go to a 
woodworking store? Do you guys go to you know Menards or Home Depot or Lowe's? Where, where do you guys go to replace I mean, stuff like that with what you Menards think is Tool Shop brand is um, you know guaranteed forever. <laughs> so it's guaranteed to live in that drawer forever. You yeah. mean yeah. guaranteed to be metal? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Usually I go to Amazon for some reason. It's just yeah. like they have everything. It's easier to find stuff and but. You know, sometimes I'll run to Home Depot and Menards for some stuff. But yeah. for like specialty stuff, I'll do. We have a, a woodworking store in town that used to be part of our company, the Woodsmith Store, um, mm-hmm. and they usually had. Being a specialty store, usually had higher quality. Yeah. Bits and blades and stuff like that. So that's where I would, you know, like table saw blades. You know, a lot of those you can pick up just about anywhere from the major brands that sure. that are in decent shape but you know like brad point bits i would get those from the woodsmith store or a place like lee valley you know where i know yeah. the the quality of it and they'll even you know like lee valley i think on their site is really nice because you know they'll have four different types of brad point bits and they're going to say these are your economy bits that are more or less disposable these are the ones that yeah. are going to last a lot longer this is your top notch you know and i've they've built up a reputation justly of having good customer service and decent materials because they've been forthright about that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. but for your yeah. basic twist bits you know i'll just ace hardware because yeah. I know that a twist bit I'm just using for utility purposes. I'm not, I'm not demanding high performance out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one thing when John said, John said Menard's tool shop brand. I have probably half a dozen of their like 36 count twist bit mm-hmm. sets that are free after rebate, which should be the first sign that they aren't worth anything, <laughs> but they live in like, they live in the garage. So it's like, those are my, those are the the fire starter bits, the ones that you just push onto metal until it starts smoking, you know. So like if I'm out on the tractor and I need to drill a hole in the bucket or something, those are what I grab because it's <laughs> make a fire real quick and then throw it in the garbage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I heard a rumor. You were talking about the Woodsmith store. I heard a rumor that they're online now that they have a website. You check that out. I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just order your stuff now. Hey. Curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't do two day shipping like Amazon does. <laughs> For to go across, like, <laughs> what is it? Well, your house is like a mile from the store. <laughs> yeah. Two days. <laughs> two days. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. No, I mean it is. It is nice if you have a store like that around. The one place I always forget about, and and I'm just talking locally in Des Moines, um, and people may have these around. We have an Acme Tool here. Right. And Acme Tool has a ton of stuff. Yeah. Like like Woodsmith Store is usually my go-to just because we know everybody there, right? We know the people that work there. We've we frequent there. Phil and I both teach seminars there. Um so that's usually my go-to because I know like you said they have higher quality stuff. Uh but every time I drop my kid off at daycare and it's right across the street from Acme Tool. And every day I go by and I'm like, there's like, they have like 12 dust collectors in the window. There's bandsaw. I mean, they have a ton of stuff. I think they might even be a Festool dealer. I'm not sure. Yeah, they are. Um, 
But I'm like, why do I just not go in there if I need something quick and stupid, you know, instead of running, you know, 10 miles across town to Menards. Granted, there is a, there's definitely a, with hardware stores, there's definitely a convenience factor and then there's a price factor. So it's like, mm-hmm. if I, if I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff, I'm going to spend the extra time and drive to where I know it's going to be cheapest. But if I'm buying one or two things, like I had to pick up some black hammered paint the other day. I'm like, I'm going to run to Ace Hardware. I know it's going to be 2 or $3 more than it is to go to Menards and get it. But I don't have to drive 20 minutes to get Menards, you know? Right. So, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming Ace is probably, or not Ace, um, Acme is probably the same way where they're probably a little bit more expensive because they are a specialty store. But Could be, yeah. um, I think they're all locally owned, which, you know, is kind of cool. Okay, let's do a project update. Logan, have you got any farther on your nightstands? Yes, I brought the wood in, and it's sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I have migrated it out of the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I, I actually, uh, this last weekend, it was kind of a, a good relaxing weekend. I was doing a lot of a lot of my actual job, which was writing and reading and stuff. So the actual job that gets in the way of my fun job. Um, so no, I, I didn't get much done on them. I did order. So I'm going to try, I don't know how well it's going to show up. This is the David Baron, um, magnetic dovetail guide. Now he made these a number of years ago. Uh, he still makes them, still sells them, but, uh, he came out with them a number of years ago. Now there's a bunch of people that have them. Um, I think Jonathan Katz Moses has one, I think, um, there's there's a bunch of people that sell similar things. Um, I think David's was one of the original. But basically, this is a guide for your saw. So you basically lay out your dovetails, slap this on there, line it up, your blade snaps on the side. It's about as accurate as you can get for hand-cutting dovetails, or as sure. repeatable. It, it takes a lot of the thought out of it, for the most part. So I wanted to give it a go. I discovered that my back saws, my dovetail saws, so I have a Lee Nielsen, then I have a uh, floor rip. Um, the plates are too short to use this with. And David, when he sells these, he suggests using a uh, pull saw. Oh, okay. So I ordered a pull saw this week. Um, we were... Uh, we were gifted a gift card from uh, our CEO for Christmas as employees, so I used that to buy a pull saw. So that should be here. What's this? Today? Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. It should be here today. So okay. once it gets here, we're gonna do some um, practice dovetails with it, make sure it works out how I'm expecting it to, and then we'll be off to the races. So, right. <laughs> yeah. So Good. the only other thing I've messed around with was my. Uh, showed this guy off last week. I know last week we had some quality issues with video, but this was my little Grecian urn out of Sycamore. Uh, starting to get some bigger cracks in it right there. Uh, but I did hit... Um, so one of my favorite... One of the things I like about wood turning is it allows you to be a little bit more artsy with stuff, right? Um, so I went to Hobby Lobby and I got a bunch of stuff that I'm going to try on this. So I got some of the... Um, it's the uh, Modern Masters, like it's reactive paint. So it's like, 
it's like paint that actually has bronze powder or copper powder or iron in it or whatever. So I'm going to do this guy like a, I think I'm going to do it like a textured green patinaed like bronze type thing, make a little stand mm-hmm. for it. So it looks like it was like something that was dug out of the ground or out of the, the ocean, you know? Yeah. Um, so I might mm-hmm. sculpt some barnacles and stuff on it. I think it'd be kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's cracking. Um, it's not going to be a highly polished, you know, clear coat lacquered and oiled thing. Uh, and I wasn't expecting to, this was all about getting the technique down for making these guys, um, which I think I accomplished. Um, but we'll see if I can get something cool out of it. So I'm excited to kind of play arts and crafts with this thing and see what I can come up with. So mm-hmm. that was my, uh, yeah. that was my extent of woodworking this last week. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I saw you did after I challenged you last week, you had a little flurry of work on your <laughs> shop cart. So you, you, you mean the little flurry of me rubbing some filler on it and that was pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to lose that. I mean, somebody throws down, right. you got to come out swinging. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you got a, you got a few weeks. So I, yeah, no I know. Hurry. Well, I'm and on. to be honest with you, I was going to do more on it, but I saw, um, our shop craftsman, Steve had a shaker, uh, sewing table in the spray booth. So I'm like, you know, Steve's in there spraying a, a project right now. Even if I get this thing ready to go into the spray booth, I can't put it in there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put yeah. the brakes on real quick. Yeah. I slipped him a 20 to put that yeah, in there. Thanks. Thanks. To slow you I, down. He told me he was done with it. And then I saw this morning it was back in there. So that 20 must oh, be that's stretched further than yeah. you expected. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just said, go store that in there for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Got to let it off gas. Exactly. So, Yeah. Well, I told you guys my project. I got everything pushed into the corner of my garage. So, <laughs> no, yeah. I was joking around. I uh, told you guys on Monday um, this weekend. Uh, I was in the bathroom and uh, I I had replaced like one of our toilets a year ago and one of them like several years ago, and like never like cut down the brass uh, mounting bolts on so I could put the little cap covers on them. And they, so they've been kicked around the bathroom for years. And I was like, today is the day I'm going out to the garage, getting my hacksaw, got those all cut down, snap the little covers on them and just like strutting around all day. Like, Hey, I got something done. Yeah. You know, my wife was not impressed. So, (laughs) And I will say if anybody has ever changed a toilet, they have done that exact same thing. Like if they say, Nope, I installed my toilet and I cut the bolts off right away. They're, they're a liar yeah. <laughs> straight up. I challenge anybody. Cause you're a liar. You've put those little caps on and they don't, you think they're going to reach and they don't quite reach. And yeah. They're hanging out like a quarter inch above the little snap base. And yeah, I should have just drilled a hole in the top of the caps and just <laughs> slid it right over the bolt and done. That would have uh, been better. Yeah. 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 So, you know, the the was, worst burn I ever got was from one of those because I cut it off my angle grinder. Oh, yeah. And I didn't think, and I reached down and grabbed it to pick it up, and it was, it was like, red hot when I grabbed it. Yeah. Was... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a project done now. Years in the making. So. Is your cabinet next in your basement? Yes. Okay. You know what? I'm going to get that done this year. This is the year. 
It's going to be glorious. All right. So, how about you, Phil? Well, I made some progress on my radio cabinet. I, the, in the grill work, I'm putting some plexiglass panels, and I got those cut to size, and I sanded the faces of it so it gives kind of a frosted look to it. And then I've started staining, uh, staining some of the the edging around the the doors and the in, inner edges of the grill work where it had, I don't know, it's kind of worn away a little bit. And, faces just to get a uniform look to it. Um, I'm hoping this week to get the doors hung on it, which will be kind of nice because that'll take care of any fine tuning for fitting that I need to do. Um, and then now I'm kind of in the stage where, uh, you know, I made like a punch list of items that I need to take care of. And some of those, they're relatively easy to do, but it's like you put stain on the adjustable shelf. Well, you know, that takes about three minutes to do, but I can't do any more with it for another day or two yeah. until the stain dries. And then I got to do the stain on the bottom face and and finishing. So I'm making progress on it. And it's kind of fun to see it coming together. And, mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting there. Okay. Kind of fun to see it taking shape the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling that I'm going to get down to this, like, what do we say? February 19th, so we're going to have our stuff done. 20th, yeah. 20th? Okay. So I'm going to get down there, and I'm going to Plenty be like... Plenty of time. Yeah, it's going to be like the night before we have to record a <laughs> podcast, and I'm going to be, like, up all night for no reason other than yeah. this stupid, egotistic, I'm going to get done by February 20th. Street cred. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny... Um... I built that bookcase, so what was it, the end of the summer or whatever, that white one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that I, yeah, it was just that I was just going to build this bookcase. I really had no plans for it, and it's sat in my garage since then. Completely finished, really done, <laughs> but I had no plans for it. So when I was cleaning out the garage to, to get the car in, I moved it up to my daughter's room, and she's like, thanks. I'm like, boy, you can put stuff on it now. Clean your room. Right. But, so awesome. Like the one project I can get done had no set purpose for it. Right. So I don't know. I guess start somewhere. Yep, exactly. So but Okay. All right. Well we'd like to hear from you on your tool buying and collecting philosophy. You can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or you can put your comments directly in on the YouTube page on our channel where you can watch the podcast and see some of the things that we've been talking about. Uh, don't forget our show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. Love to hear any questions, comments, or smart remarks that you have. Otherwise, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.